0: Let us go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 8. Let's just remind ourselves as this verse leads us to the Lord's table. Of how precious it is of an argument. Some of you have heard of Oliver Cromwell's chaplain. And a great theologian, though in error on some points named John Owen. He wrote a book, The Death of Death in the Death of Christ, which by the grace of God was put into my hands as a late teenager by a secret Calvinist that sat in the church I attended. His name was William Payton, and I thank God for him. It is a monumental work. It deals with one subject only, Did Jesus Christ die for all the sins of all men? Did Jesus Christ die for some of the sins of all men? Or did Jesus Christ die for all of the sins of some men? And he proves it in many, many pages of many powerful arguments. And one of his favorite places was Romans 8.32. And it's one of my favorite places as well, and I hope it's a favorite place of yours. All that is listed... All that is listed in Romans chapter 8, 29, and 30, those things that he refers to in verse 31, are guaranteed and certain based on what is said in verse 32. If God be for us, who can be against us? Now the question there in Romans 8, 31 is if God be for us. If God sincerely means what is given to us in verses 29 and 30, there is nothing that can hinder our salvation. If God has purpose to do these things, they will be done. If God is in the matter, the past tense of glorification can truly be used, and fittingly used. So how do we know that God is truly and sincerely in the matter? By the 32nd verse. He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Amen. And those all things are in particular the all things of Romans 8, 1 through 31, but mostly, by emphasis, the things in Romans eight twenty nine and 30. Foreknowledge, predestination, calling, justification, and glorification. These are great spiritual blessings, and how can they be re- be kept from us, since God is most definitely in the matter of giving them to us by the nature of the gift he had to give to put them into force. And it was the gift of his only begotten son. Eli would not deliver up his sons. And Eli was a decent man of God. David was a great man of God. And David would not deliver up his sons. I speak of Amnon. I speak of Absalom. I speak of Adonijah. But my God and your God delivered up his only begotten son. Abraham was willing to deliver up his son Isaac for the Lord. But the Lord delivered up his only begotten son for his enemies. Is there a difference? There's a huge difference. And it's predicated on this glorious verse of Romans 8, 32. To confirm what he had just written for us in verse 31, what shall we then say to these things? If God before us who can be against us? Well, the answer to if God before us, if you consider it as a question, is found in this 32nd verse. The great proof of God's love for us is the gift of His own Son. He that spared not His own Son. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise Him, is, is how Isaiah 53.10 puts it to us. The Lord delivered up His favorite, the darling of the God of heaven, his son, Jesus of Nazareth, to a wild, rebellious, rabid, violent crowd of Jews and Romans. right? And he stood back, and he stood back so far that the Lord Jesus Christ cried out, and you know what he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Right. He had never had God forsake you. When they led him to the brow of a hill to cast him headlong, in Luke chapter 4, he walked through the midst of them. He had the power of God around him, so much so that in the garden of Gethsemane, just a few hours before he uttered those words, he said, I am he, and they fell backward to the ground. That is the power of God that was upon the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. But it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He that spared not his own son... If God would not spare his own son, and he's already given him up, it's a historical event. Do you know why it's so important that we believe that Jesus Christ of Nazareth was the son of God, born of a virgin, and laid down his life as a sacrifice for his people? Because that puts the gospel into force. Jesus Christ doing that for us. Us knowing that the things of Romans eight twenty nine and 30 are absolutely true because the gift that paid for them, the gift that empowered them, the gift that clothed us with righteousness was made already 2,000 years ago. It truly is past tense. And since it is past tense, our glorification is past tense for all reasoning purposes. We shall be changed. Amen. We shall be glorified. He didn't spare them. We sing a song that Jesus could have called 10,000 angels. The God of heaven, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, watching his son being tortured and tormented by the Jews and the Romans, could easily have said himself, Deliver him!" And have been a f- there would have been a flurry in heaven the likes of which the universe has never seen And they would have come to this earth and and rescued the darling of God. And the flaming fire and destruction that would have fallen upon this earth would be fitting the God of heaven. But he delivered up his son. He spared not his son. He delivered him up. He gave him over. He turned his back on him. He watched men torment him. Because he had to put his soul to grief for you and for me. Because we've grieved the righteous and holy law of God. And so God had to grieve His Son in our place to pay for our sins. And He did it. The blessed God of heaven did it to display His character. Listen, our God was independently happy from eternity. He does not need you or me. But He chose this divine drama of salvation for the manifestation or to show His glory to the universe. He just wanted to put it on display. And do you know who the recipients of that are? The display of His goodness, the display of His mercy, the display of salvation. It's you and me. There's another display, brethren. It's the display that's on the vessels of wrath. They're fitted to destruction. Right. He's going to show His power and His glory on them. He poured out His power and His glory on His only begotten Son. He spared him not. He made him drink of the dregs, of the cup, of the wine, of the wrath of Almighty God. Jesus wrung it out and drank every bitter bit of the punishment of God due you and me. We shall not face it ourselves. When we die, we go to sleep in Jesus, and that's only talking about our bodies. Your spirits will be dancing in heaven one second later. By the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. He told that poor thief, Today thou shalt be with me in limbo land. Thou shalt be with me in paradise. You're hanging here on this cross, Tormented with nails in your hands, And suffocating to death, To the shame of your soul and person. But today thou shalt be with me. In paradise. And that's where we're going because God spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. He didn't spare Him. He delivered Him even to His enemies. The Bible often argues. A simple rule of arguing or logic is arguing from the lesser to the greater. When the Bible tells us that the Lord is able to clothe the lilies lilies of the field, that's a little thing. We are to draw from that that he says he will also take care of us. Sometimes the Bible argues from the greater to the lesser. Examples of that would be in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and verse 3, where the apostle says, You Corinthians are going to judge angels. If you are going to judge angels with the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, why can't you take care of the smallest matters that arise in your own assemblies? That's arguing from the greater to the lesser. This is an argument from the greater to the lesser. If God spared not his own son, his beloved son, but delivered him up to the torment and torture of the death of crucifixion, how much more is he going to give us everything else that was dependent upon that death? Right. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not? There is no logical reasoning there is no practical application that you can raise to put a stop to God's intent to fulfill the things listed in Romans 8:29 and 30. His son is the proof in the pudding that this salvation is real and it shall never be interrupted. Because if he gave his son, his most prized possession, we shall certainly get everything attached to the salvation that was purchased by his death. If God sent Jesus to die for you, which is the costliest gift he could give, you shall surely be given all the other benefits as well, which are less costly than him giving his son for you. How could God send his greatest gift and not give you everything else as well? And so that's what the verse says. If God be for us, who can be against us? Well, let's establish just how much God is for us. God spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. How shall He not also, with Him, freely give us all things? If He gave Jesus, then Jesus, along with foreknowledge, predestination, calling, justification, glorification, shall surely follow. Absolutely certain. So, no wonder the next verse says, Who shall anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. There is absolutely nothing that can be laid to our charge that would hinder us from ever realizing our eternal inheritance. And that is, as the elect of God, nothing can stop what God has planned and purposed and will perform for us. When it says us all, I hope you're able to understand that the Apostle Paul is referring to himself. The Apostle Paul is referring to the elect in Rome that are called to be saints. And every other elect person in the history of the world since then, like the Romans. This verse is not for a tract that was to be passed out with hot dogs at Rome's Colosseum. You say, but it says us all. I ask you again, what does that plural, first person, us pronoun mean? It's not them all, it's us all. And who is the us? Who is the audience of the epistle to the Romans? It's the elect Romans called to be saints, beloved of God, described so in Romans chapter 1, in the first seven verses that introduce the epistle. And then us, because we fall like them, called of God to be saints, called out of this world, that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and love his gospel, just like the Romans did. This verse is not a placard to be held up in the end zone at Christian killings in Rome. This is a loving guarantee of eternal life from the Holy Spirit for the elect that were chosen by God to these benefits. No one for whom Jesus died will face hell, for they will surely, freely obtain all things that God intended for them. If God delivered up Jesus for all men then all men shall receive all spiritual blessings. Because that's what it says in this verse. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If God delivered up Jesus Christ for every single member of Adam's race, then every single member of Adam's race has to obtain all these things because of Romans 8.32, but we know that is not the case, so we understand that Jesus Christ was not delivered up for all members of Adam's race. You say, I think I follow that. Well, that's John Owen for about 300 pages. I'm telling you, if you want to work in logic of a man who wants to defend the integrity of particular redemption of God's elect only, it has no peer on earth. It is powerful. If Jesus died for all men, and all men do not receive all the spiritual blessings attached to Him, then the all things must be dependent on what men do for Christ, which is false, because there's nothing in here about what men do for Christ. It's if God before us. It's not if us before us. It's if God before us. Who can be against us? And if God before us, you can't be against us. If God before you, you can't be against you. He will overcome you, and the truth is, He's overcome all of us, or none of us would be saved. If Jesus died for all men, and many do not receive all things, then God failed Christ, or Christ was not worth enough to justify all things, or God is a liar. Which one do you want? I don't want any of them. I want that there are vessels of glory and there are vessels of wrath. There are vessels of honor and there are vessels of dishonor. And every single vessel of honor had the Lord Jesus Christ given to Him before the world began. He had Himself given to Jesus Christ before the world began. And Jesus Christ gives unto them eternal life. The sheep of the Lord Jesus Christ. My sheep hear my voice and I know them And I give unto them eternal life. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. John 10, 26 through 29. Enjoy it. Rejoice in it. Thank you, Lord, for it. Amen. Jesus Christ and all spiritual blessings in him are gifts freely given. They're not an offer. Jesus Christ only offered himself to one being. And it wasn't you. And it wasn't the devil. He offered himself through the eternal spirit without spot to God. Hebrews chapter 9. And he was accepted. The offering was accepted. He shall see his seed He shall see of the travail of his soul. Help me. And shall be satisfied. Isaiah 53, 10 through 12. God saw the travail of the soul of his son on the cross of Calvary. And was satisfied for you and me. No matter what I had done. To break his law and to offend him over and over, and over, and over. He saw the travail of a perfect sacrifice, a perfect substitute, and was satisfied. Salvation was accomplished. And the mighty spirit of the Lord Jesus cried out, It is finished. And by faith, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Though God had forsaken him, he commended his spirit into the hands of God, knowing he had finished the work, and that though he had been forsaken and his spirit was departing from his body, he could cast himself in that lonely moment by faith on the everlasting arms that are underneath. And his spirit was caught and delivered up into heaven by Almighty God, and he lives there forevermore. And the women may have put together a hundred pounds along with Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus to anoint his body with spices to hinder its corruption. But his body never saw corruption. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, nor shall my body see corruption. But he was delivered out of that grave, and body and spirit sit together in heaven right now. Lord forevermore. His white horse is there, the two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. He's called faithful and true. He is the faithful witness. He is the first begotten from the dead. In all things, Jesus should have the preeminence. He's our only Savior and our only hope of eternal life. He is the darling delight of God's soul. And because God delivered up his darling, he can save you and me as wretches because of what Jesus did for us. And if God be for us, God is for us. God is for us. Read the two texts together. God is for us. What shall we then say to these things? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And thank you for the gift of your son Jesus. If God spared not his own son in order to give us freely all things, we should not spare anything in freely giving him everything we have in our lives. How do I know? that Jesus Christ died for me, believe the gospel record that God has given of His Son Jesus Christ and add to that faith the things that please God and you can make your calling and election sure. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for these precious words. And thank you for not sparing your own Son, even when He called upon you, if there was another way that He could make redemption for the people. But He submitted Himself to your will. You heard him in his strong crying and you sent an angel to comfort him in the garden of Gethsemane. And the logic is irrefutable. If God gave his only begotten son, he shall surely give us also that adverb meaning along with him. Every spiritual blessing that is in Christ Jesus for our eternal redemption including the glorification of our bodies, until we are made perfectly holy in the presence of God forever and ever to enjoy our eternal inheritance. That is Romans 8.32. It is powerful. It is what we believe. It separates us from most who present the most pitiful caricature of God and Jesus Christ, right. that God loves them all, but most of those that he loves he will torment for eternity. Would someone explain to me how that is love they'll say well they didn't invite jesus into their heart did that armenian god know ahead of time that they were not going to invite jesus into their heart mm-hmm. then why in the world did he create them right you call that love they corrupt the love of god right. when we get to the last verse of romans 8 and it says that nothing and there's going to be a long list of things suggested Nothing can separate us from the love of God. We believe that. They deny it. Most of the the members of Adam's race are loved by God and separated from the love of God. Would you please explain that? It is unexplainable because it's confusion. It's heresy. It's Babel. It's theological Babel. We have been so blessed to know that he spared not his own son, but delivered him up for all the elect, how shall he not with him also freely give the elect everything, so that not one shall be lost, which is exactly what Jesus Christ said. I came to do the will of him that sent me, and the will of him that sent me was of all which he hath given me. I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. You and I, brethren, are going to be raised up again at the last day. And we're going to spend eternity in heaven. Our bodies are going down. Our spirits shall soon escape these bodies. Is your faith ready like the Lord Jesus Christ? God is not going to forsake you like He forsook Him. God forsook Jesus of Nazareth on the cross because He had your sins. We get to face death without Him forsaking us because our sins are washed away forever. At that moment, your spirit It's taken out of your body. Can you cast yourself on the everlasting arms? Jesus has already done it for us. He is the great example of our faith. And we remember his death. And that moment of death, when he gave up his spirit, it wasn't taken from him. He gave it up into the hands of his father who had just forsaken him. But he knew by faith he had finished the work that he had been sent to do. And I'll tell you, that spirit did not drop one inch in this universe, but it ascended in the presence of God. And there was one joyful reunion that day between a certain thief and his Savior. Praise God. Yes. Amen. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord.